boy, watch out if the Rangers manage to win both games in regulation here. He just assaulted someone on the ice in front of me. I, I was just talking to him. And Barry, I mean, you know, through Zoom, just stares into the camera and says, why? Yada, yada, yada. I don't do gloom and doom very well. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. It's episode 83, looking ahead to the two-game series between the Rangers and the New York Islanders, as both teams uh, can still say, you know, there's a playoff spot on the line. And hi, I'm your host, Andrew Gross of Newsday, and I'll be joined uh, for the uh, entirety of this episode by my good friend and Newsday teammate, Colin Stevenson. We'll bring him in uh, momentarily. If you want to find me on Twitter, please find me at A Gross Newsday. If you want to find Colin, he is at Colin S Newsday. And uh, also consider Newsday Islanders text, which is your direct connection to one on one communication with me. And you can text 631-303-3766. That's 631-303-3766. Or go to newsday.com backslash Isles text to start your 14-day trial subscription. And I, you know, I was thinking about it. I always try and be upbeat and happy and, you know, try and put a smile on your faces as we go into this day. Uh, go into the podcast. I'm wondering, uh, Islander fans, whether, you know, whether I should have gone into this with a much more somber tone after, uh, after a three-game sweep by the Capitals, pretty much uh, knocked any chance of the Islanders finishing first in this division, I would think, out the window, especially the way the Penguins and uh, the Bruins are, are playing as well. So maybe I should be talking real somber-like uh, and, and set the mood that way. Uh, you know, the Islanders are stumbling into this two-game set with the Rangers, having been swept by the Capitals. They scored one or fewer goal in five of their last seven games. They only have one regulation win in their last 10, and that was a 6-1 win over the Rangers on April 20th. Meanwhile, the Rangers have won three straight, uh, including two straight over the Sabres. They're just not going away. Yada, yada, yada. I don't do gloom and doom very well. So that's that's enough for the uh, somber stuff. Sorry about that. Colin, how are you today, my friend? I'm good, man. It's a great day for a hockey podcast. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, oh we love it. I think the listeners enjoy it, even though uh, you are the Rangers beat writer. and they, I'm, the, I'm the enemy. <laughs> And, and when we get to our playoff podcast, I know you will be picking the opponent in five games every single series as, as they advance to the Stanley Cup Finals this season. <laughs> it's kind of my job, man. And, you know, a guy's got to do what a guy's got to do. You know how it is. Yeah. Hey, so, you know, I was really excited um, going into this podcast because I knew absolutely one thing. Like, if no one else listened to this podcast, I knew your wife would be listening to this podcast. <laughs> Well, I'll I'll let her know and and we'll see. Um, maybe we could talk about Montreal and and that'll that'll spice it up and uh, that'll get her interested. I I am hoping people in the U.S. can enter Canada before the end of this decade. At this, point. <laughs> yeah, I you know what I was talking to somebody the other day uh, after the last Ranger game that I went to against the Flyers and. Um, we were talking about it was Alan Creta actually, and we were talking about how are they going to do this? You know, Canada is not open for business, folks. I mean, how are we going to have how are we going to have a legit regular NHL season starting in October? I mean, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, at this point, you know, I mean, it seems like a long way away, but it's really not. So, no, it's not. They want to get going around October 12th, and uh. Yeah, you're right that, you know, the chances of the U.S.-Canada border being open by then, you know, I, I don't want to say it's absolutely non-existent, but you, you have to think, you know, there is 
some question as to whether U.S. teams are going to be allowed into Canada or whether or not the NHL is going to have to again consider an all-Canadian division. You know, but we we have all summer to to all summer, that. all summer. Uh, let's uh, let's set up this Rangers uh, Islanders series and, and first it's a big big series it's a big series for both teams and you know a couple of weeks ago after that 6-1 Islander win at the Coliseum on April 20th you wouldn't have thought no. this was going to be as big as it is but the Islanders as I mentioned uh, they can't score one or fewer goals in five of their last seven uh, the, the one regulation win as I mentioned in their last 10 was that 6-1 win over the Rangers and uh, yeah they're, they're, they're really really stumbling into this two-game set well they, they didn't get swept because they did get a point right so yeah 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 NHL not getting swept you know Minutia, yeah, no. They... I, looked, I looked at the standings, and it's and you look at the standings today, and it says you know under streak, it says L two, you know, it doesn't say L three. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, no, this is a this is a big deal. Like uh, the Rangers, well, the Rangers have been focused on trying to win their own games, uh, and whatever happens, happens. But we've all been looking at the Bruins, and, you know, and saying eh, I don't think they can get there. They're four back. The Bruins have two games in hand, and all of a sudden. Here come the Islanders falling into uh, into the danger zone, right? I mean, it's it's a five point gap between the teams now. I mean, I, I, I you know, and these two next next two games, um, geez, yikes! Uh, if, the, if the Rangers get four points out of this and the Islanders get none, if, yeah, wow, you know, so yeah, it's big. It's going to be panic on Long Island if that happens. And, and you know what? The, I'm sure the Islander fans are there already. Just going over the Islanders-Rangers season series, and, and these two games will wrap up the eight-game season series, the one thing you can maybe expect in an Islander-Ranger game at the Garden is a shutout. Uh, I mean, the first, <laughs> first three have been shutouts. Uh, the, the Islanders... You know, the, the, the season opener for the two teams was a 4 nothing win for the Islanders on January 14th. And two nights later, uh, the Rangers get them back 5 nothing at the Garden. And that's, you know, Semyon Varlamov. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Varley and his availability in a little bit. But um, the, the Rangers win 5 nothing when Cal Clutterbuck hits Varley with a shot under his mask. Ilya Sorokin has to make his NHL debut it was sort of it was a scramble not the way you would have scripted it right <laughs> no not the way no no <laughs> in February 18th at the Garden the Islanders uh you know uh that that's a two nothing win for the Islanders and then the, the last three games have been at the Coliseum and uh they've sort of been all over the map the Rangers win 4-1 on April 9th then they win a really tight 3-2, that's the Sorokin-Shesterkin first ever matchup on April 11, 3-2 in overtime. And then that the, the, the Islanders 6-1 win on April 20th at the Coliseum. And after that game, you're kind of thinking, okay, that, that might be it for the Rangers this season. You know, it, it really looked like the, the four teams coming out of the East were going to be the Caps, Bruins, Penguins, and Islanders, and you pick your order. And, and the odds still say that th those are going to be the four teams. But, you know, as Colin mentioned, it's, it's the Islanders have a, a five-point lead on the Islander, uh, on the Rangers coming into this two-game series. Boy, watch out if, if the Rangers manage to win both games in regulation here. It's a stunning turn of events, but you know, and that's what makes it great, right? I mean, this is a this is just really. I have to tell you, after the the Rangers lost to the Islanders, right, that was bad enough, and then they go on and they lose the next game to Philadelphia. To see the Rangers on that Zoom after that Philadelphia loss, where now all of a sudden they're eight points behind Boston for that last playoff spot, it was like they were all hanging you know figuratively hanging their heads and 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 seeming like well okay hard the rest of the way and you know saying all that kind of stuff and and david quinn one of the things he said was that the the loss to the islanders sent them in such a tailspin that it really kind of cost them the philadelphia game as well and then things changed right they beat the flyers in the next game the next night actually um and they managed to get the two wins against buffalo that they needed and they get a little help boston loses 
to Buffalo, and then Boston loses the first of two games to Pittsburgh. And so all of a sudden, that eight-point deficit becomes a four-point deficit, and now the Rangers have life. And then Tuesday night happens where uh, the Rangers don't play well in the first period but but find their legs, and you know, Shesterkin keeps them in the game um, and really saves their bacon a little bit. And they find their legs. They end up getting the win, which, of course, they should have done all along. And Boston wins, but the Islanders lose in regulation. And so now it, it really, you know, to, to see the Rangers after that game compared to what they were looking like after that first Philadelphia game, like two different things. I mean, guys are talking fast. There's like all kinds of energy. They're feeling it, you know, and, and uh, you know, as, as David Quinn uh, said, you know, we have a chance. And, and uh, you know, with six games to go, I think uh, <clears throat> they really do have a chance. And it's, you know, they're coming, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's the end of last year when, when last season ended um, abruptly because of the pandemic, you know, the Rangers were, were in a similar, similar situation where they were coming. And they were at that point, I think they were uh, one point out or two points out. I forget exactly, but, you know, they were really closing hard and they were feeling good about themselves and, and had that see, it would have been interesting to see how that season would have played out had it not been ended prematurely, but it's kind of the same spot they're in now. They're, they're, uh, you know, three games ago, they, they looked out dead done. Um, you know, you know, the party's over and, and now, you know, they're very much alive and, uh, you know, these games couldn't be bigger. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You mentioned they're in the same spot. The Islanders seem to be in the same spot as well. <laughs> you, you remember at the end of last season, right. the, the Islanders couldn't buy a win either. They, you know, uh, they, 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 they did not get a win in their last seven games before the season was paused and it was points percentage and, uh, you know, expansion to 24 teams in the postseason that kind of, you know, save the Islanders bacon a little bit. So yeah, both teams kind of uh, playing out the same scripts. We're going to go over Colin and I, uh, much more regarding, uh, uh, goaltending choices, scoring issues, how these games are going to be played. And, and Colin and I will be back with all of that right after this. Get the latest on the New York Islanders when you sign up to receive text alerts all season long. Newsday's Andrew Gross will text you real-time analysis and behind-the-scenes reporting for $4.99 a month. Go to newsday.com slash text to get started or text 631-303-3766. That's 631-303-3766 or online at newsday.com slash text. As I mentioned up above, the Islanders are certainly scraping for goals. Only, uh, one goal or fewer in five of their last seven games. And that includes being shut out twice by the Capitals in the three game series. Although they did, as Colin points out, they did get a point in the first game, a, a one, nothing shootout loss. And that's a double shutout. And that was the, the last time Semyon Varlamov played. Um, so we'll, we'll get to his availability, but Barry Trotz is searching, and maybe I should say desperately searching for for the right line combos, and you know, uh, and some way to get Matthew Barzell uh, going again, and uh, you know, looking for the right fits for Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac, and uh, a little bit more of that, obviously, uh, as we go on, and in, and in the Andrews Answers segment, but Barry also tried out Braden Coburn, the other, you know, pre-trade deadline acquisition. Um, he got the big defenseman, the big veteran defenseman in the lineup for a second time uh, Tuesday in Washington. And again, it was with Noah Dobson coming out of the lineup. So after the game, I asked Barry if he was going to try and spot Coburn in and out of the lineup and maybe give uh, some of the other D-men uh, some time out of the lineup. Now, Noah Dobson, amongst the, the top 60 defensemen who started the season, uh, Noah Dobson is, uh, you know, the only guy who's come out, really. Um, you know, he missed time with COVID, and now uh, Coburn's gone in for him for two games. Um, so I asked Barry whether it would be just Noah 
or whether Coburn would would go in and maybe give uh, some of the other five uh, defensemen a break. And uh, here was Trotz's response to that question. If he's in, he'll play in probably that that spot. Um, I'm not disappointed in Noah's play at all. I I felt that this was going to be a heavy game um, in terms of they've got some big fours, and I felt that this would be a good opportunity for Braden to show me what he has. this is a, a, a he got a shot in Philadelphia's old team. I thought this would be a good uh, a good look for him, and uh, I, I liked some of his net, net front battles. Uh, it, you know, he kept it clean pretty good there. Um, but he's he you know Braden is uh, he, you know he's a more of a pure defender. So as you heard Barry say, it's it, it's pretty much going to be Coburn or. Noah Dobson in the in that sixth spot and uh, that's interesting and you know defense against the Rangers is obviously going to play be key and you know Colin I know the last time we had you on um, we why do people say that it's just me sitting here alone <laughs> but the last time you were on the podcast uh, we talked about the, uh, the the Rangers playing an east-west game which is kind of you know, opposite what so many teams in this division play, which is a, a pure north-south game, and you go to the crease. And are, are the Rangers still doing that? Is that still their bread and butter, or have they kind of focused a little bit more? And that's what's leading in uh, into some of their wins. And and is that what the Islanders can expect? You know, maybe more attacking the net a little bit. Well, I I think they're. Uh they're a team that's built to play East-West. And as much as the coach, <laughs> David Quinn, keeps imploring them, you know, you got to play a North game. You want to go North, not East-West. I think the players, uh, and it's led really by Panarin um, and Zibanejad, who are both European, <clears throat> to, to play more of an East-West game. And, and one, of the, one of the things that Ryan Strom, who's having a, a fabulous year, by the way, um, and one of the things that he's learned from Panarin is to play an East-West game. Um, so they are a team that is built to play East-West. Now, what they would like to do is they'd like to play an East-West game when they want to play an East-West game. And then uh, in certain situations when they must go North, be able to go North at the right times and, and understand time and score and opponent and things like that and play appropriately against, uh, you know, against, a team like the Islanders, which is a North-South team. Um, and that's, again, you know, beyond the, the obvious rivalry, uh, the contrast in styles, I think, makes it even that much more interesting. Uh, they are clearly East-West. They, you know, the coach would love for them to be more North-South. And uh, and we'll see. I mean, there are times when they did it. They, they scored um, their uh, game winner on Tuesday – by going north, um, you know, the, the, they literally, it was, it was, you know, your basic hockey play. I mean, Strom wins the puck off the end boards. Uh, Alexi Lafreniere, who's on their line for that one shift um, in the entire game because they had come off a, a long power play and, and, the, and the first power play unit had used up the entire two minutes. And so he wanted to change things up and the line combinations were a little scrambled. So, Lafreniere is on the line with Panarin and Strom for literally one shift in the game, and he comes right to the net. He calls for the puck. Strom hears him, wins the battle on the boards, feeds the slot, bang, goal. So they can play north, and as every team should be able to, but it's not their tendency. Their first tendency is to is to look for the backdoor tap-ins and, um, and, and the give-and-goes and stuff. So, yes, I mean, I, I don't know – whether that, yeah, I mean, you mentioned on the last podcast that we did that I was on, Trotz uh, worries about that and thinks that that's a bad matchup for them. And actually, I think David Quinn looks at it much the same way. He thinks the Islanders are a bad matchup for the Rangers. So, you know, that's that's another thing that makes it so uh, so interesting. It's going to be a little bit of sad history in this two-game series because Saturday's game at Nassau Coliseum um, and this is provided that, you know, the UBS arena doesn't open so late in November uh, when it's targeted to open uh, that the Islanders don't have to maybe play 
they're 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 opening few home games next season at, at Nassau Coliseum, but the expectation is this is it for Nassau Coliseum, and that would mean this is it for Rangers Islanders at, at Nassau Coliseum. Um, I will I will say though I was at the first last game at Nassau Coliseum. <laughs> yeah, so you know I'll believe it when I see it. You know what I mean? I was there. I took the selfies, the whole bit. You know, I was yeah yeah yeah. I was in the press box, and wow, this is the end of an era. So I was there. You know, I'll believe it when I see it. All right. Well. <laughs> As you torpedo this whole segment, I'm trying to put together here. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. As we go through the supposition that this is going to be <laughs> at Nassau Coliseum for Rangers and Islanders, because let's face it, we I, I don't think both the Rangers and Islanders make the playoffs. It's I I, I think it's going to be one or the other, unless. The Islanders can stay in and the Rangers can pass the Bruins, but yeah. I'm assuming it's either going to be the Rangers or the Islanders in the playoffs. And again, the supposition is this is it for Rangers Islanders at the Coliseum. Having said that, and, and I know how many Ranger Islander games you've seen in this building. A lot. Yeah. Is, is there one or two that stands out for you? Uh, you know, some personal memories. Nah, I don't know. There's just so many. I'm, I'm an old guy, man. I've seen a lot of stuff. And, you know, not too much stands out for me. I mean, um, you know, the interesting thing, I think of all the guys that, that play, how many guys have played for both teams? You know, I think of Patrick Flatley and, you know, ending his career in a Rangers uniform and, you know, uh, all of that stuff. I mean, it's, it's less about the moments to me and, and, um, and more about, you know, the totality of it. Um, that building's a special place for me. I mean, I, as, as, as the, the listeners know, I, I, at least I hope they know, I mean, I, I covered the Islanders for a number of years, years ago in a previous life, that building's always going to hold a, you know, a special place in my heart. And, you know, I, I've made the decision, you know, full disclosure, I've made the decision not to go on Saturday. And, uh, you know, when I made that decision, it was with, was with the thought that, well, I'll see him in the playoffs. So, 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 you know, I'll go in the playoffs. So, you know, I'm, I'm sweating a little bit um, that I may not get back there, but no, that building's served its purpose. It's, it's, uh, it's been great. It's been loud. Uh, and it's, it's actually really just more sad than anything that it's not going to be full. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the, the true charm of that building is, is for it to be full and, you know, the 1940 chance and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's, uh, that's going to be sad. Yes, absolutely. But, you know, Hey, you know, maybe the new building will, uh, you know, we'll be able to, you know, add that character quickly. The memories I have at Nassau Coliseum and thank you for asking. Um... <laughs> hey man, it's your show. You, 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 you do it. You do you. <laughs> Um, my entire aim when we go into these podcasts is to come up with something engaging enough for, for Mark, uh, our, our producer, to be able to cut it out and use it as, as a little audio clip at the beginning. So the, the whole time I'm going through the podcast, I'm like, say something funny, say something, <laughs> say something funny. And you know what? Most of the time I don't say something funny, but anyway, so yeah, no, a couple of memories stand out to me, and, and it wasn't necessarily game-related, uh, although, you know, obviously everything's game-related. Um, I think it might have been my first game at the Coliseum um, uh, on the Rangers beat, and I took over the Rangers beat for our good friend Rick Carpinello uh, at another paper uh, in January 2003. Um, and that was right at the end of Brian Trottier's tenure as as the islanders coach his short tenure as the islanders coach but what he did as do the rangers me, coach you mean as the rangers coach my bad yes thank you um his short tenure as the rangers coach um but what he did do was he did bring the rangers into nassau coliseum and win a five nothing game uh with him standing behind the bench yikes yeah and i can't remember if it if it was that game or a different game but you remember how you always had to watch pregame warmups? Yeah, because there could be border yeah. wars. Right? It was a different time. Yes, you it did have to watch the warmups. You, uh, they, before the referees came out onto the ice, oh. you, 
So I remember standing uh, in that little, um, uh, you know, kind of press food media area uh, up in Nassau Coliseum with the windows overlooking. And I was standing next to Glenn Sather and the Islanders and Rangers got into it in the pregame warmups. I forgot who hit who, but I mean, there was a collision. Sure, Ken Baumgartner was part of it. No, it was even done by then. <laughs> yeah, I forget. I just, you know, I wish my memory was better. I just, you know, I just know there was a to-do before the game. And I'm standing next to Glenn Sather, and he is ticked off that the, these shenanigans are going on. And he whips out his cell phone, and he gets Coley Campbell on the phone. And he starts yelling, Coley, are you watching what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the other odd memory I have, and I know this is, you know, uh, you know, I know this guy is not really deeply ingrained in Islanders lore, but, uh, you know, Chris Simon did play for the Islanders for a short bit after he had played for the Rangers. And I'd covered, I had covered Chris when he was with the Rangers and I'm out at the Coliseum and, and I bumped into him uh, before the game and I hadn't seen him since he left the Rangers. And Chris was always, you know, really good guy in the, in the locker room, as far as, you know, helping me out with stories and stuff. So Chris and I caught up in, in, in that hallway outside the Islanders room. We probably chatted maybe 10, 15 minutes or so. Um, and it, it was a great chat. I really enjoyed seeing him and, and I go up to the press box thinking, you know, what a good dude that Chris Simon is. And then that was the game where Chris got clunked in the head and turned around and swung his stick like a baseball bat and nearly decapitated Ryan Holway. You know, I mean, it was a brutal attack. And I'm sitting up in the press box going, I was just talking to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> he just assaulted someone on the ice in front of me. I, I was just talking to him. I, I'm telling you, there was the, the, it was a different game back then. I mean, I think of, you know, when the Rangers got Joey Koser and, you know, the Islanders had Ken Baumgartner and, and you know, and, and Nick Vakota And, you know, that was a different, it was like, there's just, those guys don't, they're not around in this league anymore. You know what I mean? No. And I, I suppose you could say that the, the, the sport's better for it um, and, and the league may be better for it. And the hockey certainly would be better for it. But it was, you know, those guys played a role. And um, yeah, obviously swinging your stick like a, like a sword yeah. Is what you want but uh but those guys did play a role and um and a lot of them as you you well know are some of the coolest guys you'll ever meet yeah you know to talk to and you know great great guys and lots of uh intelligence and humor and you know they understand what what they're doing um and it's just a role that they play it's not who they are and and um i i recall i mean i didn't see the incident but I, I recall reading about it, and uh, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that's 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 a tough one. Yeah, no, it's funny you bring that up. I was having that exact thought. Um, I, I actually almost put it up on Twitter um, during last night's Islanders Capitals game. Um, just how different a sport this is from when we grew up. You know, yeah. watching as kids, learning the sport. There, there was the puck was tied up behind uh, the net. Um, and it's in everyone's skates. And it was back there for, you know, about 25 seconds. You know, the guy's jostling, but the, the puck's not going anywhere. And, and, you know, when you and I were kids, that would have been whistled dead in about, yes. you know, three to yeah. five seconds. And they would yeah. have had, you know, a face-off. And they, they never call that anymore. I, yeah. I, I think I've, I've seen it once in like, you know, you know, five seasons, they, they whistle it dead. And it, it was just a reminder to me of, you know, how different. And, and I agree. I, I think the, the sport, it's a more skilled sport now. It's a faster sport. It, it, it's a more beautiful sport now. Um, it, it's still a brutal sport, but it is, it is a completely different sport than, you know, 70s, 80s, you know, even, even going into the 90s. You know, it, it just seems like two different things. Yeah, definitely. But anyway, we digress. Yeah. There's a game. There's a game coming and a series coming. And Rangers pra uh, canceled practice on on Wednesday. Um, 
and I want to get to this now because I'm excited by it. Uh, we didn't have access to the coach to ask him who his goalie is going to be for Thursday. Yeah, no. Uh, so just the setup is uh, uh, Shesterkin is the Rangers number one goalie. Um, by, by far. But, and, played, and played great Tuesday, by the way. I mean, they don't, they don't have a chance of winning that game Tuesday if, if not for Shesterkin. But the other but. guy just owns the, the Islanders. <laughs> Uh, his numbers are insane against the Islanders. And um, I got to look these up like 1.7 uh, goals against and his save percentages in the nine forties career wise. He's also two and against them this year with a shutout and Shesterkin is Oh, three and one. Yeah. I, I don't know if I told you, but I, I remember uh, before the Sorokin Shesterkin game, right. Uh, right. When, uh, David Quinn was saying how how much hand wringing there was, how it was the most difficult decision to choose between Shostakin and Georgiev. Am I pronouncing that right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, Georgiev. Thank you. Yeah, uh, that's that's one in my in my ledger. I actually pronounced something correctly. Here. <laughs> it's a hard G, not a soft G. As much as they call him Georgie, because when he first came up, we we all thought it was Georgiev, but yeah. uh, so they call him Georgie. But no, it's Georgiev. Hard G. Okay, so uh, David Quinn goes on and on about what a tough choice, toughest choice of the season. So yeah, yeah. There, there was a game of a few games later, and I prefaced a question to Barry Trotz in the pregame as, you know, you know you've got Semyon Varlamov playing well, you've got Ilya Sorokin playing well. These must be tough decisions for you. You know, because both are playing well, these these have to be tough decisions for you. Who plays in net? And Barry, I mean, you know, through Zoom, just stares into the camera and says, why? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and of course he's right, because right. if you have two good options, then you can't make a mistake. Then, yeah. you, then it's, uh, you know, then whichever option you take is the good option. But... In this case, from the Rangers' perspective, this is an absolute must-win, right? I mean, if you're going to hang in the playoffs, you can't lose another game the rest of the season. So, you know, you need to win Thursday, and you need to win Saturday. And the question is, you got one guy that's 2-0 and with a shout-out and the other guy that's 0-3-1. So, like, you know, I don't know. So, it, it, so I think, it, it you know, from the, from the Rangers' standpoint – it is a tough call from the Islander standpoint. I get it. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, it matters a lot less. They don't have guys with track histories who, you know, it's not like the days when Yaro Halak, you know, used to just own the Rangers. He's not there anymore. Now he owns the Rangers from Boston. So um, <clears throat> it's not, it's not quite the same thing, you know, from, from Barry's perspective. So I get that, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a different thing on the other side. The second funny thing with, with that exchange I had with Barry is because I'm stubborn after Barry just tried to shut it down, I came back with the, well, you know, David Quinn said about how tough it was. And, and yeah, Barry, I'm sure he loved that. Oh, Barry looked at me and he said, I'm not concerned with what the Rangers are doing. And so I, I just, it was a complete slam down, you know, Barry, Barry owned me, but um, you know, the, the Islanders may or may not have a goalie choice here. Uh, Ilya Sorokin has started two games in a row, uh, the, the 6-3 loss uh, to the Caps at Nassau Coliseum on Saturday. And look, he, he was not good in that game. He was good in stretches. He was not good in stretches. He gave up two goals that he absolutely should not have given up in that game. And I, I don't know how much of a difference that makes, but, you know, it, it could have. But he came back really strong. Uh, Tuesday in Washington, uh, they lose one nothing. He gives up a goal to Daniel Sprung on the first shot uh, he faces, and basically that was a lack of defensive containment, just allowing Sprung to skate right to the crease from the left wall um, and lift one over uh, Ilya Sorokin. Um, but he 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 played, and and Simeon Varlamov did not dress, and 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 Sorokin stopped the next thirty two shots he faced, and really gave you know his team, which cannot do whole, you know, if he gave them a million bucks to do so, um, they, they they can't score. Um, 
So Sorokin was very good in that game. Simeon Varlamov, um, who shut out, uh, who was part of the double shutout Thursday, a one nothing shootout loss uh, to the Caps. So that, you know, his last game is a shutout. Um, he did not dress on, on Tuesday. And Barry Trotz said, you know, it's nothing serious. Uh, of course, coaches usually say yeah, right. nothing serious. But he said Varlamov did have some soreness. He skated Tuesday morning. It's not a long-term concern. But without a practice today, um, you know, maybe Varley gets going. Maybe he's skating on his own on, on Wednesday and he gets in a, a full morning skate on Thursday. So I guess he could play. But I, I would have to think that, you know, Barry probably goes back to Ilya Sorokin on Thursday and, and maybe we get another shesterkin Sorokin matchup. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean – we're, you know, and this is, this is the fun part, you know, we're, we're guessing here um, and, and they're educated guesses we'd like to think. Uh, but yeah, I would, I would guess that too. I mean, if, if the guy was not well enough to dress on Tuesday, I, I don't see, Varlamov that is, I don't see him starting on Thursday. I just, I, you know, a coach is going to say, oh, it's not a big deal. He's a little sore and we kept him out, precautionary, blah, blah, blah. But he's probably hurt. <laughs> to the to the extent to the extent that that he's hurt um we don't know obviously and maybe it is a minor thing uh but if you know if it's a minor thing i don't i don't see any reason why he would play on thursday because you're playing him again on saturday so um you, you know you're 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 off uh wednesday uh you don't practice assuming they they really didn't practice and then they aren't just saying that they didn't practice um so you know, you come back with, with Sorokin because he played well on Tuesday. And then if you have a practice Friday, um, <clears throat> you get Varlamov in there, you know, you see what he looks like facing a couple of shots and if he's okay, and then maybe he can go on Saturday. So I would assume that Sorokin will, will start for the Islanders on Thursday. But again, just a guess here. Um, I would also assume, and again, just a guess, uh, that Shesterkin will start on Thursday because, man, he was good on Tuesday. And, you know, he is their number one. Um, he has started 15 of their, their past 19. And the only games that he hasn't started have been in back-to-backs. And I don't think they have a back-to-back. -back. In fact, I, I don't believe they have a back-to-back -back the rest of the season. So I would, I would anticipate that um, as long as they're in it, he's going to start. I think as long as you're in it, you go with your best um, at that moment. And I, and I think the best at this moment is Shesterkin. Now, if something were to happen, um, you know, let's say they lose five, two on Thursday, then, then maybe you come back to, uh, to Georgiev on Saturday. But I, you know, I, I just think for Thursday, you got to go with your best. And I, and I would think having followed David Quinn for the three years, he's been here. I think he's going to go with Shesterkin. So you probably do get that Sorokin Shesterkin matchup that uh, that you love so much. Yeah, so we concur. And uh, it's time for your questions and some Andrew's answers. It's time for your questions with Andrew's answers. And you know what, Colin? I, I've never done this on the podcast, but I am going to ask the first question since we You're have... You're going to ask a question? Wait a second. It's Andrew's answers, not Andrew's questions. This is Andrew's questions, and we might have to get Mark to get some uh, new theme music. Uh... <laughs> and I know the Islander fans may bite my head off for this, but it's not specifically a, an, an Islander question, but it is a Long Islander question. And, right. and that is, is Adam Fox of Jericho destined to become Long Island's first Norris Trophy winner? And could that be this season? Ah, that is a very, very interesting question. Um, you know, I don't remember when it was that we spoke last. This has been a thing, a question that's been vexing us in Rangerland for probably a month or so. I mean, he's leading uh, all NHL defensemen in scoring right now and in assists. He's got 47 points. He's got 42 assists and five goals. And he plays great defense. 
Um, my thought earlier had been that, you know, the fact that he's not playing against all of the league, um, he's only playing in the East division. Uh, there are a lot of people out there, people in Canada, people out West who just don't know him well enough and probably will go for a name, a more, uh, <clears throat> a bigger household name, you know, uh, Victor Hedman or somebody like that. Yeah. I, um, Victor Hedman well, is probably the odds on favorite to, to win this year. I would think. I would think, um, but you know, you can't ignore the points and you can't ignore and, and whatever you think of plus minus, it does tell you something. And he's plus a lot, you know, he gets a ton of ice time, puts up a ton of points, you know, um, and a lot of the points that he puts up are on the power play. So he's not getting pluses for those. And he still has a big plus minus. So he's, he's having a good year. Uh, I don't necessarily expect that he's going to win it this year. I, I'd like to think that he's going to win it some year. Um, but there's another Long Islander who could win it as well. Charlie McAvoy up in Boston is a pretty good player. Um, you know, so I can't, I can't sign on that, that Adam Fox is going to be the first Long Islander to win the Norris trophy, because while I expect Adam to win it at some point in his career, I expect it's going to be a long career and he'll win it at some point. You know, I expect Charlie McAvoy is going to have a long career as well. And he might win it at some point too. So that's uh, I, you know, I don't know if I answered the question, but, you know, there it is. I, I, that, that is a very good point about Charlie McAvoy. And uh, so these next questions, uh, these next uh, one, two, three questions come via Newsday Islanders text. And that is, again, your best way to guarantee your questions will be answered on, uh, on Island Ice. Chris Nietzsche. Um, and by the way, Chris Nietzsche does his own podcast. Uh, I listened to, to an episode. I thought Chris did an outstanding job. And it's on one of my favorite subjects, which is heavy metal music. It's called... The, <laughs> the only thing you like better in hockey is heavy metal music. Uh, yes. Um, and and Chris, Chris and his partner, and I'm sorry, I, Chris, I, I forgot your, your, your co-host's name. Please forgive me. I thought Chris... Uh, I thought the duo did a great job and they, they were discussing uh, the episode I heard um, uh, one of my favorite Iron Maiden albums, Killers. And I, I'm listening to this album and I just wanted to jump in and debate so much stuff with them. <laughs> but, you know, they, you digress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it's funny. Yeah, no, my uh, my 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 real dream in life is to to host a heavy metal podcast or to be a radio DJ and just spin, you know, uh, dream theater all day long. So, uh, <laughs> Chris Nietzsche asks, "I'll keep it short and sweet. Should we be worried?" And if you've been listening, you know, up until this question has been asked, I, I think you should be a little bit worried. Um, the Islanders, nothing is wrapped up. Uh, you know, uh, they, they need to get their game in order. They need to play tighter defensively. Um, they need, they need production. They need, you know, they were two for two on the power play uh, on, on, uh, on Saturday uh, and then they go 0 for 3 in Washington, including two chances in the third period where, where they so desperately needed the equalizer. So they need a, a, a consistent power play. And I know, you know, we haven't touched on it. So much of this, and the reason you should be worried is because Anders Lee is not here and he's not coming back. And it's sort of the same thing. Uh, the same reason you were worried towards the end of last season because Adam Pellick uh, was out and, and, and things were, you know, deck of cards were kind of falling apart. And look, Anders Lee, um, I, I think he's showing you exactly how much of a team MVP he is by, by his absence. Uh, so, yeah, Chris, short and sweet. I, I, think, I think there is a little bit of worry here. Um, Thomas Boyle says, and he has – a two-part question, um, one for you, one for me. Hmm. Um, right. Boyle says, the Islanders had an 11-point lead over the Rangers on April 22nd. Now the lead is five. Two questions. Is Georgiev healthy and ready to play these? <laughs> that is the question for Colin. <laughs> Georgiev is healthy and he's ready to play. And, and if the coach puts him in, he'll go out and he'll do his thing. Um, but the question, as, as we've previously discussed, is 
whether the coach will put him in. Uh, uh, and and Thomas, uh, I I uh, I'm guessing here. It's it's just a guess. Um, we don't have access to Rangers today to ask ask uh, Coach David Quinn what his thoughts are, and and I doubt he would tell us anyway. Uh, but my guess is that it'll be Igor Shosturkin on Thursday, and, and and we'll see what happens after that. All right. And the question for me and, and Colin, I'm going to let you chime in on this one from Thomas Boyle as well, because I, I have a, a, a very strong, you know, immediate response. But Thomas says, if the Islanders complete this epic collapse, do you see Trotz getting fired? I do not. Um, although I will say this. Never put anything past Lou Lamarillo when it comes to coaches. We've seen him fire <laughs> Or Julian, uh, we, we you know we've seen him make moves. You know Robbie Fatorik can tell you all about Fire Robbie Fatorik when they were in first place or something, and then they won the cup. So you know, yeah, I yeah. mean, it, but in this instance, with where this franchise has come and the investment they have in Barry Trotz, and look, if you fire Barry Trotz, who are you bringing in? Who's right? That's that's really in? it. Yeah. That's um, the that's the thing right there. I mean, where are you gonna go if Barry Trotz is isn't good enough to coach your team? And like, you know, who's better? I was thinking about this the other day. This division could be the strongest division in terms of who's standing behind the benches. Uh, if you just you know, if you look at the four teams, you know, right now who are in playoff spots, you get Barry Trotz with the Islanders. You got Mike Sullivan uh, with with the Penguins, right? Peter with the Caps. Yep. You got uh, you know uh, Cassidy, uh, Bruce Cassidy with the Bruins. Those four uh, guys are pretty awesome. Yeah, three of them have won Stanley Cups. Yeah, it's it's a pretty dang good coaching division. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's it's pretty impressive, and it, you know it goes, you know to. You know what? Why? You know part of the reason why we thought coming into this that this would be the the toughest division, uh, and those are just the four, right? I mean, if you look at the the four that aren't in, you know, you, you know, Alan Vigneault has has been to the Stanley Cup Finals yep. twice, so uh, you know he's a pretty good coach as well, uh, and even though that their team has has uh, faded down the stretch in in a big way, and and Lindy Ruff, um, you know. Let's not forget Lindy Ruff. Uh, the Devils may be, you know, at the bottom of the standings, uh, and they've been rebuilding for a long time. But Lindy Ruff's got a, a nice career resume as well. He's got a lot of coaching wins. He's he's up there on that list. So I mean, it's you know, in terms of uh, coaching, um, you know, coaches in, in a division, this is uh, this division's pretty pretty well set up. You know, the fact with Lindy Ruff, and we're getting off topic, but the fact that Lindy Ruff had any success in Buffalo looks better and better and better, better, better in yeah. year with the with just the absolute mess up there. Um, here we go. Uh, Michael Tricarico. And if there's one thing I've learned doing this podcast, it's how to pronounce Michael Tricarico's last name. And I am so proud of that. <laughs> it's not as tough as Georgiev, but... No, at one point, Michael Tricarico just gave me permission to call him Mike T, and I was taking that out frequently. <laughs> All right, what's Mike T's question? And he says, is it time for Travis Zajac to sit? There does not seem to be a logical place for him to play, and Barry admitted to having trouble fitting him in. Also, Kyle Palmieri has been invisible. I like the trade when it happened, but is it time to admit that it was not a good one? I'm not going to admit, uh, I mean, A, since I wrote a whole column about how you got to trade for Kyle Palmieri, I'm not about to say that it was not a good trade. And I also think if the Islanders do get to the playoffs, you do need that depth. And without Anders Lee, that's, you know, Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac are a big part of that depth. And you know, the, the other night in, in Washington, Barry tried him uh, sandwiching uh, uh, Brock Nelson on the second line, Kyle and Zajac had played with Pajot. Zajac has played up with Matthew Barzell in the center on the wing. Um, you know, Palmieri, his one goal has come on the power play, but yeah, I, I think 
Kyle, you know, and, and Barry also said Kyle was on the list of people he's considering playing with Barzell. So, yeah, neither one has settled into a role, but it, it's been a little bit, uh, you know, more noticeable, I think, with Travis Zajac. They've really used him all over the place. And, uh, uh, again, Michael Tricarico uh, references uh, uh, Barry's answer on what's going on with Travis Zajac. And uh, he, here is what Barry's uh, thoughts on Travis Zajac and, and, you know, a little bit of difficulty settling him into a role with the Islanders. Honestly, a, a little bit, yeah. I, I, with all the people that we have, finding a, finding a role where it, it fits for him and it fits for everybody, a, a little bit, yeah. It's uh, I'm not concerned, but uh, it's taken a little longer than I expected, put it that way. The uh, sand is running through the hourglass here, so we're going to wrap this up. Just a couple of questions via Twitter. Um, Colin, I'll let you handle this one. Hayden uh, Jarrett says, how did the Islanders build up confidence going into the Rangers series? The Islanders beat the Rangers 6-1 the last time they played them. Uh, so I, they should have confidence. Um, you know, they were struggling to score goals, uh, as I recall, going into that game, and then they exploded for six in that game. Um, now, you know, a lot of that happened after – or all of it happened after Jacob Truba left the game and Jacob Truba left the game because he got hit by Matt Martin. So um, my thinking is if I'm the Islanders, um, I want to hit somebody. And, and that's, uh, that's, that's what they should do. I mean, you know, you, you, you would think that um, you want to hit somebody, you want to hit Fox uh, if you can. Uh, he's actually quite good at, at avoiding big hits, but you want to hit them as much as you can. You want to hit Panarin if you can. Um, and that's, that's something that the Islanders are built to do. So uh, I think if, um, if you want to score goals against the Rangers, um, hit people and go to the front of the net. All right. There you go. Sab asks, should we be worried about Varlamov? I, I know Barry, dismissed any serious concerns last night however could we see him missing more time for precautionary reasons and uh, I, I think both Colin and I are in agreement here that we, we don't think he's going to play on Thursday and uh, that would constitute him missing more time for precautionary reasons so yeah I, I you know even without serious concern I, I, I do think you know Anytime the guy you're expecting to get the net, you know, for game one of the playoffs is, is dealing with a little bit of soreness. And I know every hockey player has a little bit of soreness at this time of the year. I still think there should be a little bit of concern that uh, Varlamov was not able to dress the other night. Um, Louis Onofrio, uh, and this is back to a Barry Trotz question. When is it Barry Trotz's fault for the team's struggles? And look, you know, the buck stops with the coach. And, and again, I don't think Barry Trotz is getting fired. But, you know, when he admitted that, you know, for three years, they have not been able to come up with a power play that's clicking or a strategy that's clicking, you know, and they're, and they're looking at a power play that they, they just don't want to lose momentum or, or lose a game for them rather than, you know, be a difference maker that that does fall on Barry Trotz and his coaching staff. And, uh, you know, I, I would put that on, on, like I said, on Barry and his staff, because the, the, the power play has to be different, uh, a, a difference maker, regardless of whether you have uh, uh, Anders Lee or not, you have to get those players moving. You have to coach them up. And, and this is, you know, I'm not trying to school Barry Trotz on, how to coach because that would be inanely stupid <laughs> but look the power play there has to be more movement and there has to be more pucks to the net and and barry has to get that done it's it's an interesting thing you know the ranger fans are really all over david quinn because they feel like he's not uh done a good enough job of of incorporating the young kids and and, and I think that's one of the things, you know, I, I you know, I'm, I'm like you, I'm, I'm not going to criticize Barry Trotz because this guy's done it. He's done it all. And uh, he knows more about hockey than most. Um, so I'm, I'm certainly not going to complain too much about him, but I will say 
that is he relies a lot on his vets man and uh you know there there comes a time when you know you gotta you gotta let a young guy go you gotta you know i mean this this noah dobson thing i would think if i was an islander fan would would trouble me that you know why is he the one to come out um you know what is barry seeing from noah dobson that he's not seeing from you know mayfield or uh you know or or you know um you know, even uh, Andy Green, who's 38 years old. I mean, you know, maybe he could use a rest, you know what I mean? And, and Barry's just, you know, riding those vets. And uh, so that's, uh, and, and I understand, you know, you got to win today. <laughs> so you go with the guys that you trust the most. But I, I do feel like if, if you feel like you got to get Braden Coburn in, you know, I think your suggestion um, at the top of the show was, you know, is something that makes sense to me. You know, why not just spell some of the other guys uh, who've been logging heavy minutes. So that's, that's, you know, but I think all in all, that's a minor, a minor sort of, I don't know, I don't even want to call it criticism, but it's a minor question that I would have with, with Barry. And I think, you know, listen, you, you know, who's the guy on Twitter in trots we trust, you know, you got to trust Barry, no? Yeah. Yeah. You got to trust Barry, except when he's shooting me down via zoom. <laughs> I think that's just hilarious though. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I get shot down on Zoom all the time. So, you know, it's a uh, welcome yeah. to the club. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it was better than in college when you were being shot down in person. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. So, <laughs> uh, and we're going to wrap it up. Um, we'll, we'll take a question from our good friend and sometimes Coco podcast host, Neil Best. Which what? Is Neil yeah. Best has a question? Neil Best at SportsWatch on Twitter has a question, and that is, when will the playoffs start for non-Canadian teams? And 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 because uh, Neil is Neil has also texted me wanting to know this. Um, he he's also curious, and and it's a legitimate question. How does the NHL handle it? Um, because they have to extend the the, the North Division play right. to right. allow the Canucks to get in all their games after right. that long COVID pause. So how, how do you think the NHL handles this where, you know, the, the, the regular season is going to be done, what was it, May 11th, May 12th, May 13th, somewhere around there, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah for, for, for the U.S. teams, whereas uh, Canada has to go longer, are they going to stagger the start of the, uh, the playoffs? You know, that's, that's a really interesting question. And let me see uh... – let me just look real quick at the uh, at the standings here and and, and these games. Um, so our you know our division the East is uh, is pretty well caught up. Boston's got to play two games after the Rangers season's over. Those two games that they have in hand. Um, yeah, the West division, the Canadian division is uh, Vancouver's only got forty two games, but you know what? They're sixth in the they're sixth in the division. They're they're not they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to finish in the top four. So I don't see any real need to have them play. You know, they played 42 games right now. I don't see any need for them to, to finish out and play 56 games. I just. From the teams competing from the playoffs who still have to play them. Yeah. But, but if you look at the way that division set up and, you know, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time looking at the other divisions other than the East because they're, for the most part, irrelevant to me, but I'm just looking at it now. And, and there's this clear separation in the North division between the top four and the bottom three. Um, so I'm and and, you know, Montreal is, is holding the fourth position right now. They have 51 points from 47 games. Calgary's in fifth and they played 48 games and have 45 points. So there's a six point difference and Montreal has a game in hand. Um, I, I am, you know, I'm totally fine if Vancouver doesn't play 56 games. Let's just do it that. And, and let's just, let's get the playoffs started. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not fair to the rest of us, I suppose. Well, I mean, Vancouver didn't ask for what happened to them. So. You no, know. they didn't, but you know, but it's, you know, again, it, and um, COVID's a serious thing, you know, and, and, uh, and I think, uh, you can't jam it in and you can't, you know, listen, I was talking on, on another podcast and we we're talking about um, Mika Zibanejad has 
you know, for the Rangers, he's he's got 46 points in 50 games, which is about, you know, almost a point a game. It's about where he should be. But he started off having COVID in training camp and his first 20 something games, he was uh, not the player that he's been. So um, COVID is a big, big deal. I mean, yes, you can you can run guys out. Vancouver had a lot of guys who had COVID um, and you can dress them up now that, you know, they're clear of it and, and they're able to play and you can put them out there. It doesn't mean that they're the same guy that they were before they got it. You know, I mean, I just, I think uh, you're asking them to play in a game and they're not hundred percent. They're not 90%. They're probably 78%, you know? So I don't know. I mean, I, I'd have to look at the schedule who has games left against Vancouver. I mean, if they have 16, what are they have 14 games left? I suppose a lot of people have games left against them. I don't know. It's just, to me, it's just not worth it. Let's, you know, we, they're not going to get in. Um, let's focus on the teams that are going to get in and, uh, and let's move on. All right. Well, you heard it from Colin first. Let's move on. And uh, we are moving on from this episode and Colin, Thank you so much for spending the whole hour here. I, I really appreciate your input. As always, it's wonderful talking hockey with you. No, it's awesome. I wish we could go two hours. <laughs> uh, you have a story to write, though, so I, I probably should get that started. Yes, absolutely. And uh, if you want to read Colin's content, if you would like to read my content, it's all available on newsday.com backslash sports. All the Islanders content, including back episodes of this podcast, are on newsday.com backslash Islanders or Isles. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Agros Newsday. Colin is at Colin S. Newsday. And if you would like to start your 14-day trial subscription to Newsday Islanders text, please text 631 303 3766. That's 631-303-3766. Or go to newsday.com backslash Isles text. And until episode 84, happy hockey, everybody.